What a wonderful day to be alive as we are getting more and more into the word of truth, okay? Everybody is excited to learn, okay? And that's what makes it so much better, okay? We are truth seekers in this house. We seek truth. We are about to go into another topic. And we're going to talk about how Jesus did not die for your sins. This is going to be 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now, when it says according to the scriptures, there's no scripture reference. So, therefore, we have nothing in the entire T of the law of Moses that speaks of Christ dying for our sins. We have nothing in the Old Testament that plainly tells us Jesus is going to die for our sins. As important as that may be to some people, we are lacking scriptures in the Old Testament. Now, we know in the Bible, Josiah was announced about 350 years or more before his actual birth. So we know that if God wanted to say, Jesus is going to die for your sins, he could have said it in the scriptures. For one, that is very confusing. That is something new. Why would a human have to die for your sins when the Bible speaks of not justifying the wicked? Now, we're going to get these scriptures. This is going to be Deuteronomy 24. 16. It's on the screen. This is the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 24, verse 16. The father shall not be put to death for the children, neither shall the children be put to death for the fathers. Every man shall be put to death for his own sin. Now that sounds right. I like that. And God wrote that with his own finger. This is in the law of Moses. Every man is going to be put to death for his own sin. Now I want someone to get Ezekiel 18, 20. This is the book of Ezekiel, chapter 18, verse 20. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father. Neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him. And the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. Okay, so the righteousness of the righteous is going to be on the righteous man. If you do good, good is going to come upon you. But if you do wicked, wickedness is going to come upon you. That precepts with Deuteronomy 24, 16. Now, let's get that in 2 Chronicles chapter 25, verse 4. Because all these scriptures are connecting. As of right now, they are all 
connected. This is the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 25, verse 4. But he slew not their children, but did as it is written in the law in the book of Moses, where the Lord commanded, saying, The father shall not die for the children, neither shall the children die for the fathers, but every man shall die for his own sin. Every man is going to die for his own sins. For his own sins. Now, I want to go to Jeremiah. Because the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, is very alarming. It is telling us that this is how the new covenant is supposed to be established. This is the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verse 29. In those days they shall say no more. The fathers have eaten a sour grape, and the children's teeth are set on edge. So... There's coming a day when the child is going to be fully responsible for himself, okay? It's not going to be like Exodus chapter 20, because I want to get that real quick, and we're going to come back to that. We have to fully grasp what is being said in Jeremiah 31 verse 29. It says, in verse 5, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So God is going to punish the children for the iniquity of the fathers unto the third and fourth generation. So now when we go back to the book of Jeremiah, yes, I hope you caught it. He's talking about a day when that is going to cease. This is going into the new covenant. So in verse 29, it says, In those days they shall say no more, the fathers have eaten a sour grape and the children's teeth are set on edge. Verse 30, but everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Every man that eateth the sour grape, his teeth shall be set on edge. This is speaking of the new covenant. Behold, the days come because it's not here yet fully saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. So that is going back to Exodus chapter 20, and it is speaking of that covenant. Notice, God did not make this covenant with Abraham, or with Isaac, or with Jacob. They did not adhere to the Sabbath day laws, okay? That all started with Moses and the children of Israel. Going on to verse 33, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts 
and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. Verse 34, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and will remember their sin no more. So this new covenant is going to be preserved. Okay, it's going to be memorizable. It's going to be a law that is never going to pass away because it will be always preserved. That's what you got to read and understand in that scripture that he said, and they shall teach no more. Every man, his neighbor, know the Lord. Everyone's going to know the Lord because everyone is going to be able to recite this. Okay, this is a book, okay, that you can burn every book. But that book will be reproduced the same day because everybody knows it. Huh? Sounds familiar, don't it? So now we want to move on. We've established the fact that the new covenant is based on what you do, not what somebody else does, not based on what your father has done. It's going to be based on what you do. All right. So now I want to read something. I want to read something. There it is. Okay. First Corinthians 15, three through four, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. There it is. That's the single sentence penned by Paul around 55 AD. That is the rationale behind the most fundamental tenet of Christianity, that Christ died for our sins. No one else and nowhere else, nobody else said this in the entirety of the Old Covenant. This is what the Apostle Paul is famous for. He's famous for teaching all men that Christ died for their sins. Now, a tenet is a principle, it's a belief, or a doctrine, generally held to be true. Notice it says generally held to be true. Now, the Apostle Paul, okay, I call him the tent peg killer, okay? He is identified as a woman named Jail, okay? Remember, Paul was a jailer. And Jail, she killed Sisera in her tent with a tent Hey, now the Roman cross was the shape of a capital T and that's what she killed Sisera with. She crept in softly unto him and drove the tent peg through his temples. Now that is exactly what Paul has been doing. He's been killing the church with the cross. He's been killing the church with the cross. Okay, so now we want to go to his type and shadow. We want to go to King Saul, okay? This is going to be in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 13, verse 7. You are going to see, your eyes are going to open up, and you're going to see that King Saul 
and the soul of the New Testament are practically the same. They were both involved with the sin of sacrifice. Somebody get that. And he tarried seven days according to the set time. That Okay. A seven day wait is a number of completion. He was supposed to wait a full seven days, but he did not wait. Right now, Saul is scared. His men are scared. Samuel has not yet came, so he is panicking. So right now, let's keep going. According to the set time that Samuel had appointed, but Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So the people were leaving him. The people were running. They were hiding. They did not want to fight the Philistines because it was so many of them. The Bible says it was like the sand of the sea. So the people are hiding. Saul is scared and he is about to make a huge mistake. Let's keep going. And Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offering. All right. So now he is presuming to take on the office of a priest. He was not a priest. He was a king. He had nothing to do with the sacrifices at all. Samuel was supposed to offer the sacrifice. Samuel was a priest. Now, the thing about Samuel is he was borrowed. He was dedicated, okay, to the Levites, okay? He actually was of Ephraim, but his mom gave him to the priest. So he, okay, is actually not even a Levite, but he is anointed by God, okay? Because he is a picture of the Gentile messenger. Saul was supposed to wait, but he did not wait. Let's keep going. And he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. And Samuel said, what hast thou done? And Saul said, because I saw that the people were scattered from me and that thou camest not within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Michmash, that actually means something hidden. It actually means something hidden. So what is Saul doing? He's making excuses. He's making excuses. All right. So now let's keep going. Therefore said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal. And I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself therefore. I forced myself. Okay. He is full of fear. Okay. He is in a rush. He did not wait for Samuel, okay? Now, Saul's son, if you study the Bible, you'll find out that his son, Jonathan, was more of a warrior than his dad, Saul, okay? Jonathan was having success, okay? He was a warrior. But Saul, what happened to Saul? Saul was seized by fear, okay? Let's keep going. And offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. You have acted the fool. Okay? There's some serious problems going on with the nation of 
Israel. Here we have Samuel in the office of the priest when he's not really a Levite, okay? The sons of Eli were supposed to be the priests, but they was wicked. They was eating meat raw. They was laying with the temple women. They were violating the law sacrifice to the point that people did not want to come to the yearly sacrifice. They caused the sacrifice of God to be abhorred. And that is going into Christianity. I know I pushed it a little too soon, but that's what that is going into. Okay? God's sacrifice has been hated all because of Christianity. He was supposed to wait, but he did not wait. Let's keep going. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. All right, the kingdom of Israel would have remained with Israel forever. Now let's keep going. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has saw him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. And Samuel rose, and got him up from Gilgal unto Gibeah. Okay, so now God found him a man that he's going to give the kingdom to. Okay, this is a type and shadow of the Gentile messenger. This is Matthew 21, 43, played out because he rushed the sacrifice of God. Now, I'm going to read a scripture, okay? It's in the Quran, okay? It is talking about how the Jews and the Christians are believing in Jesus Christ before his death. This is going to be Surrey 4, 159. Every one of the people of the book will definitely believe in him before his death. So this is saying the Jews and the Christians will believe in Jesus before his death. And on the day of judgment, Jesus will be a witness against them. So the story of Saul is the sin of sacrifice. Now, King Saul, he was supposed to wait for the sacrifice. But what did he do? He sacrificed before Samuel. And it's the exact same thing with your boy Paul, BKA Saul. He sacrificed Jesus. Before Jesus even died, the Apostle Paul is teaching that Jesus was both crucified and buried and then rose on the third day. So it's the sin of sacrifice. Remember, the Apostle Paul thought Jesus was going to come back in his own lifetime. That's why he was always in a rush. And King Saul, he was in a rush. He was moving too hastily and he sacrificed, even though he wasn't a priest, before Samuel came. And that's why the kingdom was taken from him. However, Saul was given another chance, okay? He was given another chance, and he does the exact same thing. This is going to be in 1 Samuel, chapter 15. I want you to start at verse 20. And Saul said unto Samuel, 
Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. All right, the instructions that was given to Saul. Let's get that. Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid way for him in the way, when he came up from Egypt. Now go, and smite Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have, and spare them not, but slay both man and women, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. That's all I need right there. He was given instructions to kill everything breathing. The women, the babies, even the animals. So now when we get back to verse 20, let's hear his excuse. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. He's lying! He's lying! Okay? He did not fully obey the Most High. God wants obedience. God wants obedience. Let's keep going. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things, which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. Okay, there he go again, lion. He was told to kill everything, even the animals. Let's keep going. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? That's all I need right now. Is God more pleased with something being sacrificed? Or is God more pleased with you obeying him? Which one is it? Obeying. Obeying. This is God's way. Now the apostle Paul, he came in with this law that Jesus' sacrifice is better than our obedience. Okay, every Christian would agree with me right there that Jesus' sacrifice is better than our obedience and God is speaking different through the prophet who he never let one word touch the ground. He is saying that obedience is better than sacrifice. Okay, now I want you to finish that. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to hearken than the fat of rams. That's my question to you, Christian. You believe that Jesus Christ's sacrifice is greater than everything. You have no scripture on it. All you have is Paul. According to the prophet Samuel, peace be upon him. He says that obedience is better than sacrifice. Let me tell you something. If there was obedience, there would be no need for sacrifice. So now let's keep going. For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. God has rejected you from being king. You just blew it. I gave you a chance, and you're still doing the same thing. Saul failed to obey God. And what the Apostle Paul is teaching is that God will justify the wicked, which is something he is vehemently against, according to your faith in Jesus. Now, even James taught good works. Jesus taught good works. 
The Quran talks of good works, but the Apostle Paul teaches his lopsided faith. Okay? He teaches that we are justified through faith, not good works. And James teaches that we are justified through our works and not faith alone. So now I want you to keep going. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Because he was a scaredy cat. He was a scaredy cat. He was always scared. He was always scared, even when it was time for him to be king. Anybody knows what he was doing? What was he doing? Wasn't he hiding behind a rock? There you go. There's my daughter. There she is. She, she hit it. She hit it. This is the book of 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 22. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, if the man should yet come thither. And the Lord answered, Behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. He was hiding before he was anointed king, okay? He was on a mission to look for lost jackasses. He was on a mission to look for lost donkeys. He wasn't even responsible enough to do it by himself. He had to take a servant along with him. All right? And before he was anointed king, because remember, Saul was the people's choice. The people wanted a king. And therefore, God gave them what they wanted. And he was a complete disaster. He was the tallest man of Israel because he represents the nation of Israel in a type and a shadow. And it was time for his anointing and they was looking for him. And the Lord said he has hid himself amongst the stuff. All right. So now we're going to go back to where we was at. Now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. Keep going. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. It's not that easy, y'all. Y'all just think, oh, just the blood of Jesus and my sins forgiven. He was like, look, the Lord has rejected you, buddy. You're done. He just gave him a chance. He just screwed up in chapter 13. And here he is doing the same thing, being afraid. So now keep going. And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it rent. Now you want to rip the real prophet mantle. Now you want to dog out the real prophet. Since God took the kingdom from you, Israel, now you want to mess with Ishmael. Now you hate Ishmael. Now you got all these negative words against Ishmael. Okay? This is what you call misery. Misery loves company. Now he want to tear this man's mantle. Let's keep going. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. God said, I am giving the kingdom to someone who is better than you. And look how God words it. He didn't say, I'm giving the kingdom to your brother. He said, I'm giving it to your neighbor. Because this verse is a precept. With Matthew 21, 43, 2 Ezra chapter 2 and 10, 2 Ezra 1, 24, Ezekiel 21, 25 through 27, Genesis 49, 10. All these scriptures is speaking of the kingdom going from Israel to 
Ishmael, we have a whole lot to pick up on this topic, okay? You're going to learn that both of the Saul's problem was the sin of sacrifice. The Christians have crucified Jesus on biblical record. The apostle Paul put Jesus to death and he's not even dead yet. The Jews and the Christians have not yet fully believed in Christ, okay? They are believing in his death before he even died. This is going to be exciting. Shut up, man, 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 man. Thank you, man. Appreciate that. Where was I? We are going to find out the truth about the real Israel. And we're going to learn that Saul and King Saul is a type and shadow of the Apostle Paul. Okay? And him being the founder of Christianity and the Jesus of the Christian church. Now it's time for us to get in these scriptures. Y'all ready or what? We're ready. We're ready.